Amen, everybody. How awesome it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to look around and see everybody looking like a dozen of Easter eggs. Amen. All the colors and flavors in the house of the Lord. Welcome on this resurrection morning. And how many today know that we don't celebrate resurrection as a day we celebrate it as a person? And we know it's Jesus, right? He is the resurrection. He is the life. So we welcome everybody here today. It's good to look around and see so many beautiful uh, people of God, the family of faith coming together to celebrate. And all of Christian, right, this is the crowning jewel that our Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Jesus is alive. Come on, somebody. He's alive. And how awesome that is to know that Jesus lives, right? And you know what? You know where he's living? He's living right at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us, to stand there ready for any cause in faith and as we purpose to walk out our life in the Lord. So welcome, everybody, to the house of the Lord. I hope you're enjoying uh, uh, this beginning part of our service. we got a, a, a whole day in store. If you want to stay with us and let your kids be part of uh, this awesome occasion, we're going to be here in a little while at Chandler Park just celebrating the evening. Don't worry about the clouds. I prayed them away. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor prayed the clouds away. The sun's going to come out, trust me. And so we're going to go out there and we're going to eat a little bit. We've got uh, uh, some food uh, on deck. Barbecue's going to be there and we're just going to enjoy ourselves and spend some time with each other. Kids going to have a good time. We're going to know more about Jesus. And we're just going to celebrate the Lord all day today. Amen. So we're hoping that you, you, you came prepared uh, to spend the day with us. We're going to have an awesome time in the Lord. You know, we've been in a series, if, if, if this, of course, many of you may be your first time this morning attending our service. We've been in a series entitled, A King's Domain, and we've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been preaching the message that Jesus preached while he was here, and we're finishing today in this last message. And I just want you to know that there's glory behind the story. There's glory behind the story, and I'm going to end uh, this series today and this message. There's glory behind the story, and we're going to get into a, a beautiful passage of Scripture that's going to show you the glory of God today. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and as you're standing, if you've got your Bibles or you've got a digital Bible, I don't know how you're moving your fingers through the Word of God, but we're going to be in the 18th chapter of St. John. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to address a question today. And I'm, in fact, I'm going to read all of that to get you to verse 38. So this is St. This is John 18, verse 38. And I just want to bring you to that singular question that Pilate asked Jesus when he says, what is truth? What is truth? You know, it may surprise you. There's a lot of Christians that don't know what truth is. And we're going to talk about that today. In this message, the glory behind the story, and we're going to be edified today as we celebrate our risen King. Amen. So if you're in St. John, St. John chapter 18, I'm going to begin reading here at verse 28, and again, I want to give a little special emphasis to verse 38, and some of y'all are familiar with this passage if you know anything about uh, the so, so, so doings of the Lord even before uh, that political figure called Pilate. You'll see that he's been brought to him uh, in, in a... a a accusation of insurrection. This is a political motive. If you don't know that Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate as a traitor to the kingdom of Rome and that man we call Caesar. So I want you to hear this. Verse 28, St. John 18, verse 28. It says this. 
Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled. But they that, that might eat the Passover. And Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then, Pilate, then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. And notice how fast this is unraveling. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. And that is a reference to Matthew chapter 20. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, now I want you to mark this question. He asked him a pointed question. He says this, Art thou the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself? Or did others tell it thee of me? Oh, that's, there's a rich revelation of glory right there. Pilate wants to know, are you the king of the Jews? And see, there's glory behind this story, and I'm going to show it to you in just a moment. And Jesus answered him, saying, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered. Are y'all there in your Bibles? Man, you got to lay hold of this. What I'm about to, you got to lay hold of this. This isn't me talking. This is Jesus talking. Look what he says. My kingdom is not of this world. I'm going to say that one more time for somebody. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered up to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. And Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth Heareth my voice. Now here we are. Now here we are. There's glory behind the story. Now here we are, church. 2,022 years later, and I pray that you know what truth is. Listen to what Pilate then responds to Jesus. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Y'all ready? We're going to get into the glory. Anybody want to get into the glory? Come on, I want to get into the glory. Y'all want to go with me? Come on, I hope I got some people going to walk with me a little while. Let's pray together. Will you pray? We're just going to get our minds together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful celebration of life and of resurrection and of the person Christ. 
This is not a day that we celebrate, but a person that we celebrate. We celebrate our risen King, our Lord, our Savior. We, we thank you for these moments that we have to get away from all the busyness of this day. From every, from every plan, from everything, from every lunch, from every, for every afternoon expression of fun and things that we're about to do, we separate ourselves from that to settle ourselves before you, God. And Holy Spirit, we put out our hearts and we say, move in us, stir in us. Uh, uh, let this word go down into the recesses of our heart that it may yield back into the kingdom 30, 60, 100 times that which was sown. And we pray blessing upon it. We pray your purpose upon it. We pray your help upon it. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Will you give your neighbor a hug and tell him there's glory to the story? Give your neighbor a hug. If you're there next to somebody, just give him a hug. Give him a hug. Tell him there's glory behind the story. There's glory behind the story. There is glory behind the story. There is glory behind the story. There's glory behind the story. How awesome. There's glory behind the story. I'll begin where I left off. What is truth? Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is truth? Could, could, could I suggest to you that truth is divine? It is the manifestation of the fullness of God, the revelation of God, the knowledge of God revealed in you through a person called the Holy Spirit. Let me say that one more time. I pray nobody get confused. What is truth, preacher? Preacher, listen to this. this truth, divine truth, is given to you by revelation of God through a person called the Holy Spirit. Let me say it one more time because I don't want you to leave here and not know what truth is. Truth is a divine revelation given to you by a person called the Holy Spirit. How marvelous that is to have a knowledge of God. Think about how unique that is. That God has gifted to you a perception, an idea, a thought about who he is, his nature, who God is. Think about how wonderful that is. See, not everybody has that. Think about the idea that today you have an image of God in your mind. Such that you draw into the nature of God through a person called the Holy Spirit. It's called truth. It's given to you by divine inspiration. It's not an accident. It's not an anomaly. When a man believes, when a woman believes, God gives to you 
truth. Touch your neighbor and say, it's the truth that sets you free. Uh, This is a beautiful expression of God, that any man that believes on him, God said, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to put my image in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. This is the promise of the resurrection, that Jesus said, it's expedient that I go, for if I do not go, I will not send the comforter unto you. You have truth. Look at your name and say, I got the truth, baby. Now, what you going to do with it? I, I want you to understand that this revelation of truth was manifested in a story in the Bible, St. John chapter 3. You know the guy's name. His name is Nicodemus. You remember him, Pharisee. Uh, the, the Bible says that this, this man, Nicodemus, and, and, and I don't want to disparage the idea that he's a Pharisee because, you know, the Pharisee uh, uh, had, had an understanding of God. In fact, the Bible tells me, the scriptures teach me, that the Pharisees were devout men. Some of us know that the Pharisee had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy were memorized by the Pharisee. How many books do you know? Uh, The Pharisee fasted uh, three times a week. He gave a a, a tenth over everything he earned. This is a devout man. And yet even in this devout man who came to the Lord at night, guess what? He was blind. Uh, think, Think about all his doings. Think about who he is. Think about his abilities and all his knowledge of God. And yet in all that he possessed... He didn't have knowledge of God. He was blind. He didn't possess truth. Uh, Notice, I'll reveal it to you. The Bible says that Nicodemus came to the Lord at night, and, and this is what he said. He says, Rabbi, I know that thou art a teacher which has come from God, for no man can do with the miracles that you do unless God be with them. And you know what Jesus said? Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is more than a teacher. And he's more than a rabbi. And here's a man of faith coming before Jesus not knowing who he's talking to. He was blind. You you know how it is when you're talking to somebody and you want them to come into revelation. And sometimes when we're trying to uh, talk with one another, we say to one another, don't you see it? Was it John Newton that wrote the the, the famed hymn, Amazing Grace, where he of himself says, I once was blind, but now I, what, I see. It is essential that the believer possess truth. Well, what truth? The revelation of God and who God is. Because this is eternal life, to have a knowledge of God and the one to whom he sent. We need truth. Because it's by that truth that we begin to perceive the world around us. Friend, let me tell you something. If you're a sensual man or a sensual woman, and what I mean by sensual, if you're trying to live your life through your senses... You will not find God there. Because you need divine revelation to see God. You know why? Because our God is a spirit. 
<laughs> Our God is a spirit. Yeah, listen, if you want to worship God, this is what Jesus told the woman at the well. This is, check this out. He says, the time is coming now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, what? And in mm, truth. Look at your neighbor and say, we're talking about truth, baby. Uh, you're going to need truth. For our God is a spirit. And they that worship, worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, you need truth to see God. Amen. Have you seen him lately? It is an anomaly to me to be around believers who say to themselves, Preacher, I haven't seen God. <laughs> this is like the disciples telling Jesus, Jesus, just show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And what did Jesus say? How long have I been with you, Philip? And yet you say you haven't seen the Father? Man, if you've seen me, you've seen him. <laughs> It's amazing to be around believers who say they don't see God. But when you have the truth of God, you see him in everything. Man, you see him at breakfast, you see him at lunch, you see him at dinner, you see it when you go to sleep, you see him when you wake up, you see him in people's lives, you see him in your children's lives, you see him all around, you see him in the clouds, you see him in the stars, you see him in the sun, everywhere you go, all you do is see God. Look at your neighbor and say, I see God, baby. You, you, you see, Pilate has the same problem Nicodemus has. They're asking Jesus, are you the king? Of course he's the king, and if you could see it, you would know who he is. He's more than rabbi. He's more than teacher. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's the Christos. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one of God. Oh, come on, somebody. That's what we come here to celebrate, the Christos. The Messiah. It's such a strange story to read. Because what we're talking about is spiritual blindness. Where they just can't perceive God. Do you see God? Do you see him? No, do you see him? Because the moment you get an image of God, it will shape your mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, your sojournings, your conversations. Baby, when you see God, it changes your life. Nicodemus says back to the Lord, he says, well, how can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? Jesus, you're confusing me. Jesus, and you're supposed to be the teacher? I'm not talking about going back into your mama's womb. I'm talking about being born again. Unless a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Watch this. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You know why I'm persuaded that not a lot of people are sold out? Let me, let me tell you why people don't sell out to Jesus, to the kingdom. It's because you don't see it. 
<laughs> Touch your neighbor. Say, he's talking about you, man. You ain't sold out yet. Listen, how are you going to make a transaction with God if you haven't seen the kingdom of God and how awesome the kingdom of God is and all the wonderful attributes of God tied up in the kingdom of God? Why would you even make an exchange with the Lord? You know that Jesus says that, that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking goodly pearls. And when he found a pearl of great price, he sold all that he had to get that one pearl. Why? Because he wanted to make transaction with God. He saw the kingdom. Friend, do you know your health is in the kingdom? Do you know your promotion's in the kingdom? Do you know your deliverance is in the kingdom? Do you know your healing's in the kingdom? Everything you would so desire is in the kingdom of God. And friend, I'm here to tell you, that kingdom is invisible. You're not going to sniff it out. You're not going to put on your glasses and look for it. It's invisible. Paul teaches it this way. He says, that which is invisible is temporal. But that which is invisible is eternal. You want to know a little bit more about faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not. I'm talking kingdom. If you're going to make a transaction, you're going to have to do it in the invisible realm, in the spirit realm. And this is what Jesus was trying to teach Pilate. He says, Pilate, listen, my kingdom is not from here. It's not from here, baby. You're not going to go downtown Dallas and turn left and run into the kingdom of God. It's not an address. It's not like the North Pole where Santa lives. <laughs> Think about what I'm telling you. That you have to make a transaction with God by spirit into an invisible realm. Glory. Glory. Let me tell you what John says. John says this. Love not the world. nor the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're not of the Father. They're of the world. You see, sometimes I think we've become too sensual. Uh, we're responding to everything that we see, everything that we touch, everything that's moving around us. And God is saying, don't put your attention there. Don't look at that. Look at me. Uh, look into the invisible realm. Uh, look where your help comes from. I'm going to help you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to help you. How many believe God's going to help you? I mean, we're here celebrating Jesus, right? He's at the right hand of the Father. How many know we can come, now come boldly to the throne of grace to bring our petition before God, to find grace in the time of need when we need help? Come on, somebody. This is all invisible stuff. I know I disappointed you with that. It's like, oh, shucks, I wish it wasn't invisible. I wish it was something I could see with my own eyes. Because, you know, a lot of people will say, I, I won't believe it until I... 
I'm sorry I, ruined, I rained on your parade. I, I, I messed up your theology when I told you that what we're dealing with is the invisible realm. Yes, but those of us that have seen it, and we've experienced its graces and its mercies and its power and its beautifulness, Oh, how we love the kingdom of heaven. Oh, how we love the kingdom of God. Oh, how, oh, how we draw upon it. Oh, when we go to prayer and we see the hand of God moving out of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was not setting up an earthly kingdom. That's coming in time. Brother and sister, do you know that when the new kingdom comes, the new heaven, on a new earth, we're going to reign with God forever? And all the nations are going to bring their treasuries into the kingdom of heaven. That that's coming. There's going to come a time when you'll actually see the kingdom of God. But for right now, he says, we're setting up a spiritual kingdom. And we're looking for people who will be subjects of that kingdom. You say you see God. Can you see the kingdom? Because I'm here to tell you, the world is going to try to get your eyes off of Jesus. Let me say that one more time. The world is going to try to get your eyes off of Jesus. It's going to try to get your eyes off of Jesus. Let me say it one more time. It's going to try to get your eyes off of Jesus. He's, he's going to try to diminish the image of God in your life. And I believe there's a lot of people right now that you've gone through some stuff in your life, some heartaches, some hardships, some situations, and the enemy has been able to take that situation and has lessened the view of God in your own mind and your own heart. But I pray the Spirit of God begin to move over you today. I pray the Spirit of God visit you again to show you that my God is exceedingly, abundantly able to do more than what you ask or think. I'm talking to somebody who needs a new vision, a new understanding of God. Who needs to know he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Mm. Look at your neighbor and say, you needed that. Watch Pilate. Some of you may not know that Pilate and his wife Procula is listed in the, with the saints in the Greek Orthodox Church. You may not know this, but historians say that Pilate got saved. Oh, let me say that to somebody. Pilate and his wife accepted Jesus Christ. Uh, he, found, he finally got his eyes open, right? Check this out. You, you heard Pilate ask Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus asked him, Are you asking me that? Or did they tell you to ask that? Because Jesus wants to see if his light's on. There's revelation. He didn't have none. It's just a political thing. So Jesus says, my kingdom's not from here. See, if my kingdom was from here, then when my servants come to fight to deliver me. Pilate says, oh, you don't. You don't got nobody defending you? What? What? You're a king, and you don't got anybody here defending you? Nobody's out on the streets with swords and pitchforks and declaring the injustice of taking Jesus before Pilate? You don't got nobody? 
I mean, he had some guys doing some talking. You remember them. I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll never let them do this to you. No, not on my watch. And everybody's gone. Jesus is all by himself. So, you know, Pilate says, well, since nobody's going to come defend you, there's nobody here to help you. I don't got to worry about any political backlash. Go scourge him. And the Bible says that they took him and they scourged him to an inch of his life. You know, that Roman soldier, that mercenary, that man of death, they said that they beat his face. And they said to him, prophesy, which one of us has beaten you? They stripped him of his clothes and put a purple robe around him. They plaited some thorns and smashed it upon his head. And they acted and played with him, cynically all bowed to the king of the Jews. The Bible says that they beat him so bad, Isaiah said that his visage, his form was so marred that he didn't even look like a human. And then Pilate brings him back out. You know what he says? Behold the man. He doesn't look like no king. I mean, check him out. I just beat him to a pulp. And this is your king? Don't turn your face, brothers and sisters. Look at him. Don't look away. Don't come here and play coy with me. Don't play possum in church. Look at him. Look at the beating he took. Look at the scourging he endured. Look at the mocking and the cruelty of men upon his face with their very fists. Bleeding and swollen. Saying nothing. Pilate says, look at him. This can't be no king. The Bible says that an uproar started. Crucify him. Crucify him. The Bible says that Pilate said, if you want to crucify him, you go crucify him. And the Jews shouted, we have the law. He's worthy of death because he says he's the son of God. The Bible says that Pilate became more afraid. What was he afraid about? What was he terrified of? He just beat the man to an inch of his life. What was he afraid of? That that man had the power to change a man's mind and his heart through words. Let me say it again. That that man has the power to change your mind and your heart and your spirit through his very words. That's a dangerous man. Let me say it again. That man 
has the power to change your mind and change your heart and change your spirit by his very words. I've got news for you. Listen, years ago, I went and I went to Rome myself. I've been in the great Colosseum. I, I, I walked on the floors where they used to have blood sport with, with our brothers and sisters, Christians. Uh, they, they said they would put a, a foot of soil uh, on, on the Colosseum floor and they would only call an end to the games when the, at the end of the day when the soil was so saturated with blood that they couldn't get footing. Uh, I, I, I remember when I was walking through the Colosseum and I was thinking about uh, all of my brothers and sisters that were martyred on that floor. And as I was leaving out of the Colosseum, I noticed an inscription in, in the Colosseum. It took me back. And it said, this, this Colosseum is dedicated unto God. It is a house of worship. I said, hold on a second. Do, do you know that the Colosseum has now been dedicated as a house for God? Can you imagine in those days when they were butchering believers and, 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 and going through all of these games where they would torture our brothers and sisters, that if you would have told them then this place will soon become the house of God, they'd have laughed you to scorn. You see, Rome is in ruins. There's no more Caesars or no more Roman soldiers, no chariots. It's a heap of rocks now. But the kingdom of God is just as alive as it was when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. This is the kingdom that Jesus said, it is not from here, but it is a kingdom. That God is purposing to move through each one of us. Pilate does something that I'm very thankful for. You know what he did? He wrote an inscription. This is what he wrote on it. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And he nailed it to the cross. I like that because they found him guilty of the charge. When people were crucified, they would put on the cross what they were crucified for. Yes, sir. Jesus was crucified for being a king. Yes, sir. Friend, I know you know him a lot of ways. You call him your savior and your deliverer. And I thank God for all of the son of man and all that he did. But do you know him as king? Is he Christos? Is he Messiah? Is he the Lord of your life? Friend, you can't have him any other way. He was crucified as king. He's the Christos, the anointed one. Here's the glory behind the story. Jesus didn't say a word. The, the, the Bible says that, that after Pilate had heard that he was claiming to be the Son of God, he went back into the judgment hall. And you know what he told Jesus? Where are you from? That interesting that they would ask Jesus where he's from. He didn't say nothing. 
And then he says this, don't you know that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? And Jesus says, you would have no power over me except my Father gave it to you from heaven. <laughs> you don't have no power, son. The only power you have is the power my God gave you. You know the story. He takes them out before the people and they hand him over to the Jews and the Jews take him out to Golgotha. Yes, sir. And they drive those nails through him. They drive those nails through him. They strip him of all his clothes. He is on the cross, brutalized. A specific death that God had purposed to produce in him. This isn't euthanasia. This isn't like being hung in the gallows. This isn't a shooting squad. This is a crucifixion. And God chose the manner of death. That's why Jesus said, the Father loves me because I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have this command. I have the power to lay down my life and to pick it right back up again. Ah, man. That's a bad boy, man. They nailed him to the cross. They beat him. They brutalized him. And they stood him up. And there he is, king of the Jews. Naked and torn and broken. You know him. No guile found in his mouth. He went to the deepest expressions of all the degradation that no matter where you're coming from, no matter how you would encounter God, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter what your situation is, my Jesus died in the depths of the, of, of, of the sorrows of sin that he would stand up out of there to bring you right out of where you are. My Jesus went down deep into the heart of God to draw me up and stand me up. Oh, I wish I had everybody clapping there, baby, because you must think you some little goody two-shoes. But I'm here to tell you, my Jesus rescued you, and he saved you. There's glory behind the story. His death was specific to God. Do you know that the highest glory God has ever received was the glory of the cross. The revelation that you can now say, I am at peace with God. Let me say it. Somebody didn't hear it. That were you trying to fix it and work it in. Try to work your way into favor with God. Listen, the middle wall of partition's been absolved. Jesus paid the price. He was a propitiation. Now anybody that wants to come can come to God and they can see the love of God through the death of his son that God is trying to reach out and draw you near to himself. My Jesus paid the price. And if you want to stay far away from God, if you choose to distance yourself from him, let that be on you. Because my father showed his love for you. 
He demonstrated his love, his unconditional love to draw you into his bosom to prove his love for you. Jesus was trying to draw you into a new understanding, a visage of God so that you might know truth. That God loves you. I will say it again real slow. That God really does love you. I'm going to say it again real slow because some people just maybe, you got to massage things in. You know, sometimes when you're old and your muscles get real, you know, you know how it is. You're kind of lethargic and you got some lactic acid and sometimes you got to move that into your, your, your muscles and it's got to be massaged and you got to begin to embrace it. God loves you, man. You just, you just got to. You got to have somebody rub that in. It's like, a, it's like a balm. It's like something that, you know, God loves you, man. Sometimes you got to scream it out loud. God loves you. Sometimes you got to say it like a whisper. God really, really, really loves you. And you say, well, preacher, how do you know he does? Behold the man. Behold the man. You think you're ugly. Behold the man. You think you're out of joint? Behold the man. You've lost your bearings, your understanding? Behold the man. We all know that the crucifixion is nothing unless he gets up. Let me say that one more time. Because then we would just call him a martyr. No martyr has ever saved me. He might have testified to God, but he can't save me, or she can't save me. Jesus says, I have a specific power. I can lay down my life to death. How many know that's incredible? Let me stop. We, we get the rising part. We don't get the death part. Jesus says, I have the power to die. I mean, we all think we have that power, and soon enough you will. In case you don't know, 10 out of 10 people die. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to die if the Lord don't come back, for sure. I'll do your funeral, you'll do mine. I don't know who's first. But you're going to die, trust me. How would want to say we would die gracefully? Right. Right. That maybe in old age or maybe in sickness. I've seen people valiant in faith on their deathbed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But Jesus isn't on his deathbed. He's laying down his life on the cross. I mean, which one of us wouldn't have said something about God? I mean, you're already complaining about stuff in your own life right now. Well, how come, God, why did you do this? And God, why did you do that? And how come you're always picking on me? And how come you don't pick on her? I mean, I'm a lot better than she is. And how come I'm always going through all the stuff and you never try them? You're always trying me. And how come and why and all this with God? And yet here's Jesus who says, Father, if there's any other way I can do this, but not my will be done, your will be done. The will to die on the cross 
to bring glory to God. I have the power to lay down my life. Check it out. And I have the same power to stand right back up. I don't think you know who you're messing with. I mean, you're a bad boy when you can say, I'm going to die and then three days later, I'm going to get right back up. I mean, he said it all to everybody. I mean, him rising on the third day is not some anomaly. Not some, what? He got up. He had been telling people, I'm going to get up in three days. There's glory behind the story. Watch this. It's interesting that nobody showed up. I mean, you say you have truth, right? But nobody showed up. I mean, I mean, the guards were there. Pilate put them there on the bequest of, of the Sanhedrin. Make sure there's guards there because, because somebody's going to say that they stole the body and going to say he got up from the dead. I mean, you would have thought that one of the disciples would have been in the bushes somewhere. Just, just waiting to see. Wouldn't that have been glorious? To see the stone begin to roll back. Nobody showed up. Because they didn't have any truth. You see, absent of truth, you miss all the key events in your life. You know, there's some things in your life you miss because you didn't have no truth. Revelations and expressions of God, God bringing vitality and life back to a situation, but you didn't believe his words. Do you know how many resurrections we've missed? I appreciate you, our mother. You know where I'm at. You know how many times God wanted to bring to life a thing in your life, but you didn't trust his word at it, and you missed your own resurrection? Oh, I'm talking about truth, baby, because there's glory behind the story. Nobody's there. Nobody's watching. Nobody's waiting behind a bush to see who comes up. On the third day, Mary Magdalene shows up. She's just coming to make sure that Jesus doesn't stink too much. She's going to put some ointment, some embalming spices on him. The Bible says when she got there, the stone was rolled back. And she peeked inside the sepulcher and Jesus was gone. And the Bible says she ran back to get, to get Peter and John, and they ran back. And they looked around and scurried about. And the Bible says that even Peter went into the sepulcher, and he saw his grave clothes. Lying as though Jesus just came right at him. You would have thought they would have said, Jesus is risen. He really means what he says. He got up from the grave, but no, no. They went back to their hiding space, right back where they came from. Only Mary Magdalene stood right outside of the sepulcher. The Bible says she was weeping. 
The Bible says she looked in back into the sepulcher, and guess what she saw? Two angels sitting at the head of where he lay and the feet of where he lay, and they say, what are you looking for, woman? Are you looking for Jesus? He rose up already. He's gone. And the Bible says as she was going out, she saw who was a, a, she perceived to be the gardener. And she says, sir, watch how, watch how deaf we are. Watch how blind we are. She ran into who she thought was a gardener. You know what she said? Jesus is alive. Worship with me. Let's celebrate it. Let's jump for joy, man. Give me a high five. Jesus, cut up. She said, did you take his body? And if you took it, you tell me where you put him. We laugh at that, but we go to church every Sunday. We go back to our hiding place. You know how we do. We go to our houses, hit the button, uh, grog goes up, we go in, uh, and that's all we see of you. I tell my wife, there's neighbors that I have only seen. Uh, it's like seeing, you know, Bigfoot come out. Babe, look. <laughs> Somebody actually lives in that house. My neighbor has kids, and just like maybe like four months ago, we saw one of us. And look, they're still alive. You know, we live our life in hiding, right? We say we got all this knowledge. We say we got all of this revelation. And we are hiding. So as she's engaging this conversation, she turns away. And then she hears this word. Mary. And when she turns, guess who she sees? Bible says she falls at her feet. He says, don't touch me yet. Because I haven't yet ascended unto my father, which is in heaven. You see, this is his glory. But now it's about to be mine. Jesus goes back to those disciples in that room. The Bible says, while the door was still yet shut, Jesus just... It's impressive. First thing he tells them is this. Peace be unto you. Say it to yourself. Peace be unto you. Then he did this. This is why I'm here. The Lord sent me here just for this piece here. So I preached. How long have I been preaching? Oh, it's time to go. It's 12. It's almost perfect timing because I was just about to tell you why I came. Jesus did this. He said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. You, you remember what Jesus said, right? Unless a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter. 
He can't participate. Jesus said, it's expedient that I go for if I do not go. The Spirit, the Comforter will not come unto you. But when he comes, but when he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. In other words, he's going to give to you a full revelation of God, the glory of God, the kingdom of God, so that you can walk for God. I wish I had a witness right there. That the Spirit of God was going to come into your life by believing in Jesus Christ, and he was going to help you see the revealed glory of the Father. Come on, stand to your feet. If you don't want it, you don't want it. I'm not here to persuade you. I'm here to teach you. There's glory behind the story. Listen, I want truth. I want truth in my life. Will you, right where you are, just, just shut off. Just close your eyes. Don't even worry about looking at your wife. Don't look at, look, just, 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 just for a moment, just separate yourself. Just get along with yourself, you and God. And I just want to present to you, I, I want to say to you, while you're praying, while you're thinking about God, I, I want to say this to you. Behold the man. And I want you to see the image of Jesus so utterly brutalized, so, so broken, so torn, so tattered, that, that even David prophetically saying in Psalms 22, said that Jesus of himself said, I feel like all my bones are out of joint. My strength has left me. And, and, and people are surrounding me. The, my, the enemy is coming around me. He's mocking me. My, my tongue, it, it, it cleaves to the roof of my mouth. I'm so thirsty. I'm so broken. I'm so dejected. Broken. Behold him. Behold him. Behold him. He he is the resurrection church. He's the resurrection. Look at him. Don't don't turn away. Look at him. Receive him. Isaiah says, We as it were turned our faces from him. I'm asking you to turn your face to him. This is to God's glory. There's glory behind the story. Come on now. This is God saying, I want you to receive him as proof that you and I are right with each other. What I did to him, I will not do to you. I made him to be sin who knew no sin so that you might be declared the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Behold him, behold him. Come on now, don't turn away. Look steadfastly into him. Look at the glory of the Father revealed through the Son. So now God has his arms open to you. Wide open. His arms are as wide as God, as great as expanse as that is. Can you imagine? That God has his arms open to you. And he's saying, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I love you. 
And I've been looking for you. And I want to talk with you. And I want you to get to know me. I already know you. I just want to, I want to know, do you want to know me? And if you do, I'll give myself to you. I'll give myself to you. Friend, are you here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart? I say it like that generically, but you know what I mean. That, that you, you've taken Jesus in as a token of God's love for you. And, and, and you believe on him. See, until you believe, you won't see what everybody else is seeing. Until you, until you lay hold of them, you won't see the kingdom of God. And listen, there's, there's faith in you to believe. I believe the Spirit of God is working in hearts right now. I believe He's working over your mind right now. He's working deep inside of you. It sounds like I'm talking specifically to you, and guess what? I am through the Spirit of God. I beseech you, friend. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you lay hold of that person, Jesus. Reach out and grab him. Say, Jesus, thank you for suffering my death. Thank you for going the distance. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for rescuing me and ransoming me. Listen, if you're here today and you, you want Jesus, he's yours for the asking. Come live in me and I promise you he will. Something beautiful is going to happen. It's as though God, God actually gives you vision. You, you, you see for the first time. It's amazing. It's supernatural. It's beautiful. You won't be like Pilate. Are you the king? You're going to know he's the king. <laughs> Take him in. Maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, I want to begin my transaction in this kingdom. I, I, I want to get into this invisible kingdom. I see it. I just want to make transaction. I, I, I want to connect to it. And to you I say, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. He'll give you such beauty, visages, and image of, images of God, and images of the kingdom of heaven that you will never be the same. I breathe on you. Receive ye the Holy Spirit.